0: Thank you that you took the, what the enemy meant for evil and turned it for good. Father, thank you that the battle is yours, that you have won the victory and we can stand firm in that this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa, welcome to church. I want to give a big welcome to those who are joining us online. Uh, my name is Rob Allen and I'm honoured to be part of the team here at C3. And it's a real privilege this morning to be able to share with you and the next series, next item in our series. Now, we've been working our way through The Blessed Life. If you haven't got a copy of this book, I highly recommend it. This is a series of teaching from uh, Pastor Robert Morris in Gateway Church in the US. And I really, I've read this book more than once. And other than the Bible, which is probably a good thing, uh, it's... Uh, one of the books that's changed my life, that impacted my life so much. It's got some great wisdom. It's changed my attitude to finance, to money, to possessions. You know, it really has. It's about giving generosity. It just opens up your mind. So if you haven't had a copy of that, buy a copy. Now, in this series, we have talked a lot about finance. But the series is called The Blessed Life. It's not called The Blessed Wallet. You know, We need to be good stewards of everything God has given us, our time, our treasure and our talents. And I really would encourage you, if you've missed any of the messages, do go back and watch or listen online, they've been great. So you should be able to follow along in the version app today, and we're on week four of the series, and today's message is entitled, Am I Generous? Now, before you all jump to conclusions and start telling me whether you think I'm generous or not, this is not me asking you for an opinion. Um, I'm not asking you if you're generous, and I'm not really asking you if you think I'm generous. It's a personal question that we all need to answer for ourselves. We need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and decide, am I generous? And I can tell you, church, you are an amazingly generous bunch of people. In September 2019, so the month before last now, uh, we had our highest regular income from tithes and offerings in C3, in the history of C3. And that is the third time in 2019 that we have broken records. That is absolutely amazing. And we as a team are so grateful for your continued generosity to reach and shape people. So, to try and help answer the question, am I generous, we're going to turn to some scripture. And I'd like to look at John chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And these should be in your notes. Verse 1, John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour, Martha served while Lazarus was amongst those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why hasn't this perfume been sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now just focusing on verse six now. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, or the offering box, if you like, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So, interesting. So, after reading that passage, I've got a couple of questions in my head. One, why did Mary give such a generous and extravagant gift to Jesus? And believe me, that was super generous. We'll come back to that slightly later in the message. And the second question is, why did it bother Judas so much? Why was he so upset? I think there are two hearts, if you like, displayed in that passage. Firstly, there's a heart of generosity. And secondly, there's a heart of selfishness. And if you look carefully, you'll notice how those hearts are revealed. It was in the act of giving that the hearts were revealed. So, as I said earlier, when I say, Am I generous? we're asking a question of ourselves. So, when I say, am I generous? I'm asking myself. And when you say it, you're asking yourself. You know, to be honest, church, sometimes I'm generous and sometimes I'm not. But I can testify from my life there is great joy in giving. It really is better to give than to receive. We are blessed to be a blessing. You know, a number of times over the years, my wife and I have been able to bless people financially. And when you Pray together, discuss, you come up with an amount. Generally, it's the same amount. Sometimes it's not, you know, but we get there in the end. And, uh, but we've given, and maybe we've given anonymously, maybe not. But when you hear that the gift you've given is exactly, and we've had this several times, exactly the amount that the individual or the couple needed in that situation, you really do want to do it again it's sort of multiplication effect. You know, if you've heard from God and go, right, yes, perfect. But it's just such an honour to be able to bless people and to be the, the solution to the situation. So there are three things I'd like to unpack in this uh, time we've got together. And the number one is the enemy of generosity. And to me, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. This can be remembered by the fact that God begins with G, is generous. But Satan begins with S, is selfish. (laughs) Okay? So that's easy, isn't it? I had to stop myself going G, God, G for God. It's G, isn't it? (laughs) S for Satan. S for Satan. So God is a generous God. You know, we were all born selfish. But we were born again generous. You know, that's the good news. We were born again generous. And you really need to look a bit more excited about that. You know, we need to simply allow Jesus to change our hearts and renew our minds. Judas did not care about the poor. He really didn't. He It was just an excuse. It was sort of spiritual jargon to pretend, you know, cover the fact that he was just a selfish person and wanted for the money himself. Judas knew that Jesus was going to die soon and he was just trying to save as much of the cash for himself before what Jesus did. You know, remember, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And I'm sure you've heard people say, I'm sure you haven't said it yourself, but I'm sure you've heard people say things like, that should be sold and given to the poor. That house that's bigger than ours, that car that's nicer than ours, you know, that should, you know, why did that person have that? Why You know, why don't they sell that, give the money to the poor? You know, that just covers up selfishness to me. Um, you know, dressing it up in some sort of religious super superiority to sound convincing. But I know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to sound like Judas. I want to sound like a be more like Jesus you know Judas and the disciples they were looking like with this, they were looking for this earthly kingdom they were asking where is this kingdom when is it when's it coming who's the greatest in the kingdom they they were didn't see the big picture i think i have to ask myself this on a regular basis and i think we all should you know why are we following jesus you know is it really to abandon everything and to advance his kingdom or is it for what we can get out of it We saw earlier in this passage, it actually stated the fact that Jesus had the money box and was a thief. Hmm. Now, I'm a fairly sort of risk-adverse kind of guy. And I say, if I had a thief on my team, I'm not sure I would go, here's the petty cash tin. You hang on to that and keep an eye on it. Feels like a bit of a sort of tick on the risk register to me. But then I thought, well, hang on a minute. If God knows everything, which he does, then he obviously had a bit of a plan in giving Judas the money box. And I think that he was giving Judas an opportunity to, to pass the test, if you like, to go, you know, to have an opportunity not to steal. And if we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this, "'No temptation has overtaken you "'except what is common to mankind.'" And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, there's a parallel here between Judas being a thief and taking money from the money box, uh, basically taking what belonged to God because those were offerings that had been given to Jesus and the disciples when they were on the road travelling ministry and people would give Offerings, and then Jesus would use that money to bless others. And Judas had his hand in the tin. But there's a parallel between that and the verse in Micah chapter three, verse eight, which we heard about a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Tom was here about the test. You know, Judas was taking money out of the box, and I just—you know—we've just passed around the the offering containers earlier. But you know, would any of you take money out of the offering containers? Maybe if you were making change, but you know, probably not. I don't think I've seen many people dipping in, and so. Um, but friends, you know, yeah, friends. You know, if you're here in Cambridge today, or you're listening with us online, I sincerely believe that money, wealth, finance—however you describe it—is a bigger test to us in our discipleship journey than we really acknowledge. God is not only testing our hearts to see if we can handle more, but he's also testing our hearts to see if we can handle true riches. Now, true riches, what do you think that is? And it got me thinking. My view is that when we talk about true riches, we're talking about people. Because people really matter. You know, what about your family your friends, your classmates, your work colleagues, you know, are they going to go into eternity with us? You know, everything around us is temporal. It's only people that we'll have with us forever. You know, Can we handle this? It should shape our thinking, it should shape our stewardship, our management of our resources. That God has entrusted us with our time, treasure and talents. You know, giving is a spiritual act. When I give, people get saved. Maybe not immediately, it's not an instant reaction, but when I give and sow into God's kingdom, it enables the, the gospel to be preached and people to get saved. You know, when I give, people get saved. Heaven is being populated and hell is being plundered because of our giving. Now, as a bit of an aside, and I added this into my notes quite recently. Whilst we're talking about people, and I think we're all people, might be the odd cat or dog listening and watching online, but generally we're all people within the sound of my voice. And, um, you know, I just feel that God would say to some of us today, you need to be generous with yourself. You need to be generous with yourself. And I don't mean head off on some massive because you're worth it shopping trip. I mean... (laughs) Be generous with yourself. Speak truth to yourself. Look after yourself. Love yourself. Yeah, speak words of encouragement to yourself. Words of truth. You know, if we can't and don't love ourselves, how are we going to love others? You know. And when you've got over that and you want to love, you got feel the energy to love others, then encourage people. Let's be generous with our words as well as. Our finances, you know, and be specific when you encourage someone. You know, you know that was great because that, I saw how you were with that person, how you welcomed that person through the door. You know, you know, it's good to get, you know, pats on the back, but be specific to people. You know, we are God's children. We're adopted into his family. God wants us to thrive, not just survive. Yeah, right, yeah. To thrive, My second point is about the extravagance of generosity. Looking back to the passage, we read that one year's wages, which is apparently 300 denarii worth of expensive perfume, was poured all over Jesus' feet. What do we think? Did Jesus see that as a waste? Or was he looking at her heart? I mentioned earlier that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And I looked around for what the equivalent of that was in denarii in, the, in those days, and it was 120 denarii was 30 pieces of silver. So that perfume that was poured on Jesus' feet was two and a half times more valuable than the amount Judas received for betraying Jesus. Just So that was an interesting point. You know, how much... Yeah, sorry, moving on. You know, how much do we think constitutes an extravagant gift? You know, given God owns it all, you know, is there anything that we could give that would impress the owner of the universe? We can get a little bit of help on this from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So they first gave themselves to God. So get this the most extravagant gift we can give to God is ourselves. The most extravagant gift we can give to God is ourselves. Think about it. And when He has our hearts, He has our treasure anyway. Think about it. You've given yourself wholeheartedly to God, and think—sorry—have you given yourself wholeheartedly to God? Just think about that as I go through the message, and we'll give you an opportunity to respond later. In my view, there are three levels of giving: there are tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings—or as somebody once said to me, painful offerings. (laughs) The words are really painful. But from some research I've heard about giving in the church in the UK, a lot of people struggle to get to the first one, to tithe of 10% of gross income to the local church. It's undesignated, we can't designate it because we didn't own it in the first place. It all belongs to God. I've helped many people with budgeting over the years. And when they come to me and go, I can't afford to tithe, my response is, No, you cannot afford not to tithe. If your budget doesn't balance, it's not the tithe that's the issue. We heard from Pastor Steve last week that the tithe should come first. If your budget doesn't balance, then we need to look at your other outgoings, your other expenditure. However, I've got some good news. Would you like some good news? I believe that if we get past that first level of giving... That we get onto the second and third level much more easily. It's because the curse is broken, our hearts are opened, and the window of heaven can come down and bless us. There's so many examples of extravagant giving in scriptures. King David left a gift to build the temple after he died. And that apparently equated to about 20 billion in today's money. Well, that's pretty generous, really. Pretty extravagant. But then on a different level, But equally generous and equally extravagant, we read in Mark 12 of the widow who came and gave two mites. But Jesus said that was extravagant. He could see the heart behind it. She gave from her poverty. She gave everything she had into the offering. Whereas others were just giving from their wealth and had plenty left over. Here at C3, we've got a great opportunity this Christmas to join in with the excellent C3 Impact initiative to share the wonder at Christmas. Share the wonder at Christmas with our community by sponsoring a Christmas hamper. It is such a great opportunity to bless someone else, so please do get involved. You can go on the website for that, uh, and it's thec3.uk forward slash store, and you'll see all the different types of hampers, the different items. Please get involved. We really want to bless the community. So, we've looked at the enemy of generosity, the extravagance of generosity, and finally, I would like us to look at the reward of generosity. In the same story that we read in John chapter 12... It's also detailed in Mark and Matthew. And I'd like to have a look at Mark chapter 14, verses eight and nine. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is referencing Mary, obviously. This was the only anointing for burial that Jesus' body was going to receive. Because ultimately, there was no time before the Sabbath began for the, what would have happened in that time in terms of uh, anointing bodies with, with, with perfume. Um, and she just came with this extravagant gift for Jesus. She wasn't thinking of what she was going to get from it, she wasn't looking for a reward. But she was rewarded. You know that scripture talks about Mary. You know every time the gospel is preached these days, we hear that story. So you know, memory Mary has been rewarded in, in memory, really. of that the whole world just hears what she did, but she didn't come along and go, "Oh, if I pour this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, then they'll write about it and people forever and ever will hear about my wonderful act of generosity." She did it because she loved him. But I don't feel I've quite answered the question yet as to why Mary gave such a generous gift. We'll have a little, little look at that. I think you know, that generous heart of Mary stemmed from a grateful heart. Don't forget, earlier in the, the scripture, a few months earlier, her brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead by Jesus. So I think she was probably had a slightly different perspective on worldly possessions and bottles of expensive perfume because two months earlier, this fellow had come along and raised her brother from the dead. She certainly had an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. We need to think about ourselves Don't you think we should have a a different perspective on this after seeing our lives raised from the dead? Our lives have been raised from the dead. Sound a bit happier for me? (laughs) Our lives have been raised from the dead. You know, I know that generosity gives not to be rewarded. But God always rewards generosity if we're giving with the right heart. Generosity is when you give, not expecting anything in return. Selfishness is when you give and think God owes you something. If we look at Hebrews chapter eleven verse six, we can see this confirmed. And without faith, faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. This word rewarder in the passage is apparently a very complicated five-syllable Greek word which I will not attempt to pronounce. But if we dig down into that word, we find a real nugget. The piece that means reward gives us the hint we need. It is to reward with extravagance, to give more than what is due. It's not the amount, it's the attitude of our hearts that God rewards. We need to understand that God cannot not, double negative, cannot not reward you. God is a rewarder. God is an extravagant rewarder. There is a difference between being blessed and being rewarded by God. God has blessed us in so many wages, wages, ways, (laughs) (laughs) including finance, I guess. (laughs) But the ultimate reward from God is himself. You know, we only have to look at how he rewards us with eternal life through his son That's the most generous and extravagant gift anyone can give. And in 1 John, sorry, chapter three, verse one, we read this. So what great love the Father has lavished on us. Now, lavished, I went off to look that up. It's a really interesting word. It means to expend or give a great amount without limit. But then it made me sort of think about food as things often do. Um, And I was thinking... You know, when I was young, I used to lavish tomato ketchup on my food. Honestly, everything I ate had tomato ketchup on it. Now, I've grown up a bit. I'm a bit of a reformed character now, you know, occasionally. Um, But, you know, just... This sort of thought of, you know, like when my kids were younger, getting the ice cream at the wherever it was, Pizza Hut or somewhere, and then putting the sprinkles on the top and the marshmallows and everything like that. You know, it's like God's lavishing his love on us. Um, so, So, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us so that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We have been adopted into his family. And just before I hand you back to your location, pastors, I'd like to pray for us all. If you're able, wherever you are, joining us online here in Cambridge, if you could stand. If you feel comfortable, stretch out your hands to God. We've covered a lot this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the extravagant and lavish gift of everlasting life that you have given through your Son, Jesus. We recognise your great love for us. Help us not to hold anything back from you. Help us to give of our lives and resources for the advancement of your kingdom. I pray that we would never hold back out of fear, but we would always be able to trust that you are our promoter, our protector and our provider. Thank you for your great love in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to hand back now to the location pastors.